Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. It is Monday night. We're back in action. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago. In spring-like weather, people, I'm literally starting to think about and start working. I don't know about working on yet. Definitely thinking about uh, outdoor projects and stuff. And anybody from Midwest knows uh, the only outside projects you usually do February 5th is clearing the driveway and shoveling and stuff like that but it's supposed to be in the 50s all week and stuff like that it is nuts but i will take it no complaining here there's a lot of other stuff that i would like to complain about as we go over here but as always galley is with us galley what's happening yeah it's pretty good weather up here in the northeast as well not as warm as uh chicago land there uh springtime thinking about outdoor projects but uh, yeah, took the dog for a walk. Didn't need a winter hat. Didn't need a scarf. So uh, it was it was a refreshing reprieve. And the snow on the ground is all just about melted away, which is also something that makes people in the Northeast very happy on February fifth because that shit's not normally gone by now. Yeah, same here. There's like no snow at all. It almost feels like it's huh, Octoberish, Septemberish over there. And Bigler was with us. Bigler, what is your weather report? Well, I was just going to say, just when I didn't think this Monday I could be any more Monday-ish for me, you guys are giving a weather report about how nice it is, and it was 41 degrees down here. So I don't I don't know what that's all about, but it was too too cold for the South, man. You can't have that kind of – you can't have that kind of coldness down there, down here. You know, iguanas start falling out of trees and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that's odd. Actually, Alan says it's 56 over there in Houston. So, and that is cold for Houston. They must be like freezing in like under blankets and stuff. But yeah, I'll take it. No complaints there. Uh, but hey, let's get you guys complaining over here and switch right over to trivia. This is kind of like a tricky one. So I know, and you know, even though uh, BJ sent it a bit more simplified. I'm already ready for like 16 questions, qualifying questions from Bickler. But okay, here we go. So 51 clubs have appeared in at least one of 32 seasons of the Premier League played so far. Six clubs, which includes us, obviously, have been in, in all 32. How many of these 51 clubs have eight or fewer seasons in the league? Oh, I want to get back to BK and get some more context and how to how this compares to like a Bundesliga and La Liga and stuff so like that. Basically, I'm, if I picked up what BJ is trying to put down there, he's telling us that there's 51 total clubs played in the Premier League in the Correct. 32 years, and he wants to know, and and of that, how many of them eight, have been have eight or less seasons in the Premier? Eight League? or less seasons total of the 51. Correct. No, out of the 32. What? Out of the 51 teams, how many of those teams have had eight or less seasons? Right. Of, okay. of, uh, yeah, eight or less time years in the Premier League. Correct. So basically, who's been there for more than less than a quarter of the league's total? Correct. Bickler is already... <laughs> Bickler just wants to go outside and run in the cold now. Bickler! <laughs> uh, it's probably surprising, but you guys lost me. Um no, I, I'll let's go. I don't know, dude. Like uh, 12. 12 out of the 51. I'm going to go. I think it's got to be higher than that because 
It's like Price is right over here. It's going to be like 13. Well, I would definitely go 13 <laughs> if that were the case. I'm just make that clear. Um, if we're playing that game, yes, closest to not go over, I would probably go 13. But I'm going to go higher than that. I'm going to say it's like closer to like 21 of the 51. It is actually 26. Oh. Almost, like more than half have been there, eight or less. But yeah, I know he likes crunching into numbers. Once I saw this and I was getting ready for the show by reading the question, uh, I was like, you know what? It would be interesting to see how that compares to like a La Liga or like Bundesliga, Serie A and stuff like that in terms of like how much rotation there is. Uh, this is a gimme, by the way. So I would think you guys be able to jump on it. But uh, which of those 51 clubs is in no longer in existence? Wimbledon? Correct. Uh, which one of those leagues, which was one of the founding clubs of the league, is now all the way down to the National League? In fifth tier. Oldham? Correct. Look at that. Look at that. Bickler's like, no comments. I was going to go Barry because they're no longer in existence, but I couldn't remember if they were ever there to begin with. I don't think they were. Yeah, Oldham I played mean, all the way down and, there. And it's kind of a tough one because they've kind so of now M- they're runs. mk dons essentially but yeah. they don't really hold that like i know like robbie early and the robbie earl and those guys all say like wimbledon is no more because they don't want to be associated with the club that is mk dons for but there's also wimbledon there still is wimbledon down there like they just right it's just a re-branded. different yeah yeah like rebrand but yeah i i those ones i knew i think oldham i only knew because I remember we played him a few years back and lost that awful cup tie. Um, and then we went and signed the goalkeeper from there, and that was just as bad a decision. <laughs> okay, speaking of bad decisions and bad things overall, let's start and go back to yesterday, even if we don't like it or not. Uh, I mean, we had the pre-match. We looked at this lineup, and I don't think, aside from maybe Gravenberg, we didn't have major complaints based on what we had available. But the results of... I mean, forget the result result in terms of, like, the final result. Uh, but the gameplay, and it just did not click, Bickler. Is it a matter of playing against a team that was playing for its life at the end of the day? Uh, or something just wrong overall in the way that squad was built that we didn't catch initially? I mean, I, I just felt like I just felt like Arsenal wanted it more. I don't even know if they were, like... I think like playing for their life is a bit dramatic. I mean, they're still there up the top, but like, I just feel like they did come out with a sense of urgency we never had. Right. And like, that's the thing is just, we just never had that sense of urgency. And I think in some ways that's okay for me because like, I I don't want to say, okay, but like, I'd much rather have that be the reason that we lost than just not having the quality. Right. Like we've seen this side in the past, like not have the quality to compete versus Arsenal get run off the pitch. And to, to me, it was just an effort thing. And that's so hard when these guys have been up for so much. They've lost once all year, which, you know, you can argue shouldn't have been a loss. Uh, so I think you get one switch off and you kind of like, okay, with it. When I say play for their lives, I think I mean, if we had won this game, there's no way Arsenal is catching us, leave alone City at that point. So you would think, especially being out of both cups and stuff like that, they will be kind of like out of the equation and it's like a season that ends season that starts with high hopes ends in february 5th or february 4th i guess would be like a kind of like a huge disaster for lego head over there and to be fair to them 
they did go out there and look like a team that wanted to win. And, you know, we were outplayed in a huge majority of the game. Yeah, I felt like they were – we were – I mean, I think we were outplayed the entire game. I don't think it was a huge majority. I mean, maybe we had spurts, minutes in the second half where we looked a little bit more threatening. I mean, but let's be honest. We, we get to halftime 1-1 in a match where we don't have a shot on target. I mean, it was an own goal, and it was pathetic in itself. Um, you know, good work by Diaz, really bad by Saliba. You know, we'll, we'll talk about Virgil and his mistake in the second half and really how poorly Kanate played throughout the match. You know, I thought they got at our center backs for the first time in a long time. Our center backs weren't the, you know, I, they just weren't up for the task. That's what it felt like to me. It just felt like everyone was a step leggy, a step slow. Um, I do think being down the players that we were out, not having Mo, obviously, I think at some point it comes back to haunt you. And when you don't create, and I think, you know, for all the people, and we've God knows we've gone back and forth, and we'll talk about the supporters on Facebook groups, and, you know, we probably talked too much about Darwin, right? But this was over the last month of time when everyone would argue about Darwin hitting post, but then people would say, but what you have to really talk about what he does now when he's on the field creating for others and making things happen. And I feel like we missed him starting the press, which is crazy to goddamn say, because yeah. a year ago at this time, he didn't know what the press was. Um, but Tamuchin, you always say the press leads from the front. And Darwin learned how to help lead the press. And when you got a guy working that hard and then you got a guy like Jones behind him, I think it all kind of ticks through. And I felt like we were really lacking that um, yesterday, whether it was, you know, I know Klopp talked about how he was really disappointed with the right-hand side. And that yes. triangle of Gravenberch, Trent, um, and Gakpo. And Klopp even said the goal for once was to keep Trent wide. For whatever reason, we didn't do it. He actually said it in yeah. his post-match that he was supposed to I stay heard wide. That, and I was like, the Trent kept tucking in. But again, like it just didn't. I thought the manager got it wrong. Um, but we went on the road to the third place team in the league and we didn't get three points and people are acting like you can't win the league if that happens. And it's, oh, it's yeah. very normal. Yeah. It's just well, very well, normal. Yeah, so ridiculous old yeah. fan reaction. Cause it just drove me. I think that drove me nuts more than anything else. You know, we knew the post-match that's your therapy after a poor result. And then you can really kind of like go away, but then you see stuff online and I'm like, Oh my God, man, just kind of like get a hold of yourself. But okay. So let's go back to that defending. And I definitely want to ask you guys about Trent. Cause I normally, I mean, I said this in the post-match, there are times where I watch the game and I'll be like, I don't know. It's kind of like a dad watching like, you know, like you watch your kid do something, for example, like you don't get like mad, mad. You're more like somebody like, oh, come on, you're going to make that pass and stuff. And you don't go like ape shit. Uh, I was at one point literally going ape shit uh, watching Trent's defending. But uh, the defending and the center backs that Gally is talking about, is that kind of like go back to that midfield trio that Klopp is talking about anyway, Bickler, where we just had no pressure on that ball, it felt like. Or they were easy. I know Arsenal is really good, but we've had them in tougher situations where they couldn't come out of that press. It felt like, I mean, it was peak Barcelona, the way they were moving that ball, like one-touch passes in midfield, just going around that press. Yeah, I mean, they did a just they just did a good job of spreading us out and staying in the half spaces too. I mean, they just did like, I don't know. They were good. They were just better than us across the board. They were just better. They were tuned on, turned on and we weren't. And I think, 
I do think I was shocked. Honestly, I was shocked to see Gravin Birch on the right because, like, not only do I think he's not good enough to be in the starting lineup right now, like, I think that's his second worst spot in the midfield. And so, like, it seemed weird to me to force him. It was like he was getting forced into a lineup to me. Um, and that just felt weird. I thought it was like a great spot for Harvey to st- start. I think Harvey links up well with just about anyone on the right side. I think he can play well with Gakpo. That just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I don't think it did Gravenberch any favors. And for a manager who's so pr- protective of the spots he puts new players in, it's really weird to see that happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think the midfield definitely led to it, but I think – I think it's real hard to point fingers anywhere at one spot on the pitch. When you looked at this, it was, it was collectively a fail across the board, I think. Yeah. I think it was more of a, I mean, it's cliche, right? Like, like you said it earlier, like they wanted more, but it definitely felt like it. Like they were more invested in this game than we were. It felt like, uh, Jamie says Trent had like 13 passes. That's going to be a career low. I, I mean, Man, I am like ridiculously over the top frustrated with the lack of defending. He doesn't even pretend anymore. Like he, there were so many times where, like Martellini would do one simple cut, and somehow he would drop like Trent off, and he wouldn't even track back. He was like, "Well, I guess I'm out of the equation." So now it's you, Kanate. I mean, I would hate to play right center back on this team with Trent pretending to play right back, and leave alone that, because. Uh, I don't want to hear about this positioning. We like him up top, blah, blah, blah. He's back there in all these situations where he can't defend. And then there was a moment right before he subbed, and I really feel like that's even Klopp had enough at that point, where he looked over his shoulder, he saw Martinelli there, and then he just was like, meh. And then he just kept watching, and then there was a through ball, and it's like right behind him right away. He doesn't even pretend to start watching. Did we just make our own problems, Gally, by... Like, you got to pass, you got to create your midfield almost. And now the guy doesn't even, he used to at least pretend to play defense when he was an actual right back. And he was a lot better. He was never this poor in defending. Is it just like a loss of, is it like what Jamie's saying? He couldn't get in the game because he was not as involved. So he checked out mentally. It's extremely frustrating to watch. I would never have thought in a year where you gave him more responsibility that he would almost in some ways revert to being less responsible for his actions. So you make him the vice captain. And I thought, and I, and I was against that, right? I was, I stood here yeah. and said, I didn't want to give him any part of it. Cause I thought that he hadn't earned it really. Um, and you know, I, I wasn't the hugest Van Dyke guy, but I definitely didn't want to give it to, I mean, I think I would have gave it to Robertson and that looks like that would have been a bad idea. And Joe Gomez be wearing the damn thing. And why Gomez isn't wearing it, seeing he's been there longer than anybody else at the club, sometimes baffles me as well. And I think he's more of a leader on the pitch than than Trent is ever. Um, I think my issue with Trent in the armband is, is Trent is the first to shush the crowd when he scores a world beater. And he's the first to remind people of his world-class talent. And he's the first to kind of become disenfranchised when things aren't going his way. And we kill Bruno Fernandez for like being the poor look of a captain. And I'm not so sure that Trent looks the part of a captain. If, you know, I understand Jamie can mention the 300 games. So he's earned it. I don't think you earn leadership qualities. I think leadership qualities are earned by leading other players and guy gets dropped for his national team for attitude and hustle and for falling out of form guy gets dropped from his own side right now 
you know, he's being outplayed by a teenager at the moment. If it wasn't for, you know, a very tragic event in a young man's life, it would have been interesting to see what Klopp would have done on Sunday. Yeah. I still think he would have started Trent. And I'm not sure that would have been the right decision, but I think Klopp would have done it. And I, I don't think you give guys captaincies based on games played or, or your role, but I think Klopp gave Trent this extra leadership because he wanted him to have a responsibility. And I'm not sure that he's covering himself with glory since he's been given it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And, you know, you can go back to, like, what Jamie's saying in terms of number of passes. I mean, he's coming back from the injury, so he might not be all there yet. That would be an excuse if his passing was off and stuff for me, for being rusty. And he probably – we don't know. I mean, we felt if we weren't away at Emirates, the situation and the game might be too big for Bradley. That was, like, the only concern I think we had. So we are like, uh, maybe Trent will play if he's ready kind of a thing. I mean, what do you think of the overall – ordeal that we have on that right back i mean if you went on pure form i think bradley is a no-brainer right now uh but at the same time you can't just sit trance so where do we i guess go from here when it comes to trends or am i just being over the top critical because i'm a defender by nature <clears throat> probably but I, I think i think if you look at it honestly i think it's going to pose a real problem for the next manager i really do because we built a system around his talent and what he does and then when you no longer have the system around that and it no longer functions that way like i'm not sure what you do with him like because can he get forward does he have a world-class delivery for sure but like it doesn't make any sense to I mean, you can get that from other players in, in advanced positions too. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't know if you have a complete fullback that essentially is playing Trent off the pitch and who's younger. I, I don't know what you do with that. I really don't. And I think the thing that really makes this difficult is that he's scouse. If he's not scouse, I don't think it's even a decision. I think he's probably moved for a fairly decent amount of money somewhere else. I, I think, you know... I think we get kind of blinded by this loyalty that he's a hometown kid and he's going to be a one team player. And maybe that's the case. Maybe we will figure it out, but I just think it is going to take a manager that comes in and has a definitive system and can get him to fit into a definitive space inside that system for me to save it. Because what I think what we've expected from him and what the system has been designed to do for him has somewhat catered to his ability and that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that he hasn't made any adjustments. And if he can't make adjustments, I don't know how he fits into somebody else's system. So uh, at least at fullback. And I don't think that he's good enough in all the areas from a, from a game IQ standpoint to be plugged into the midfield. So I guess it's just going to be a wait and see. But I think it could be a real issue. I mean, I definitely do not see him. And I've been against it, obviously, for him playing midfield in this current system. Because you can't have a guy who's not running or tracking and stuff like that in midfield, right. not in the system. Uh, if you want an example, watch Gravenberg. And if you're complaining about Gravenberg, uh, you're getting the same exact thing, if not less, I think, having over there. And I think, you know, I agree with uh, what Daz is saying in terms of, like, you know, mm -hmm. if Salafla is there, he covers a bit more. I was saying it this morning. I mean, Trent should be sent paying royalties to Henderson for his career. Because really, Henderson constantly covering that side letting Trent do his own thing has been probably like the biggest season for his success. And I am not complaining. I mean, here's one thing. Savosla can come back, but Savosla is not going to have you guard Martinelli. 
uh, you know, when he gets a cutback and you're just going to bite every single move the dude does. He's not going to help you increase your defensive awareness. I just don't understand how you can have such a low defensive awareness and how it can get lower where there's people running behind you like constantly. And if I, you know, he's like a problem like an attacker's dream because you can be in one spot and he's going to look at you. Then you can do whatever the hell you want. Because uh, Trent is not going to look, check over his shoulder again to see where you went. You can cut inside. You can go even wider. You can do whatever the hell you want. Because Trent is not going to follow you around. So I understand, like Savostai would have definitely helped cover a lot more. Uh, but so here's my, I guess, my bigger question. I think that the next manager comes in. I think because of how much talent Trent has, his challenge might be to come up with a system where you can utilize them in midfield or somewhere else. Maybe you do two defensive midfielder whatever you do but for this season knowing Klopp does not change formations galley uh do we basically have to continue deal with this where we're going to be hurting on that right hand side and really it's going to be the most important position in this team right now is the right center midfielder yeah i i think it is because i don't think he's going to i mean maybe he'll play bradley a little bit but i just don't see him He's not going to replace his vice captain with a kid wearing 84, whether he should or not. He's just not going to do it. Not with not with four months left to go at the club. I think he's going to try to get the best out of him. I think he's going to play Bradley. And I think Trent's going to have to do some rotating. You know, um, I still... I'm with you guys. I don't see him in the base of a midfield in this formation. It just doesn't work. He doesn't do enough work off the ball. He doesn't track runners. He has a hard enough time, like you said, with runners who are looking right at him when they run past him, let alone the ones that are happening in his peripheral that he has to feel being there. He has no feel. That's almost the problem. You know, and I don't think he has the pace to even, you know, Paul's always said we need more right cover in the front right-hand attacking position. He doesn't have the natural skills to play in that advanced of a role, like even as cover for Mo. So I don't really know where he fits in at the moment in this current formation. And I think it is the new manager's job. And I think Paul's onto something that if it wasn't for the fact that he was Scouse, there'd be some people probably that would say, Hey, you know, we always talk about how there's only a few players in the squad that can, that can secure a real fee. Like what would Real Madrid pay? if they thought they could get him and, you know, yeah. line him up with Bellingham or, you know, and I don't want him to go, but I do think like, it's going to be a big call when this manager shows up because we talk about how we have this great collection of all these players under 25, but like the new manager would basically be held to having an entire squad of that age. And they're going to want some turnover. They're going to want some new blood in. And they're going to probably want some players out. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see, depending on who the manager is, you know, which player, which of the Gakpo or Nunez they fancy, or which of the Trent or Robertson or Bradley, or, you know, they may like a Gomez. I, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, it's not what I, we actually it, said, Jamie. The thing is, I think it's a, it would be a conversation. Uh, it's, it, it is not a conversation right now because, I mean, if you're a new manager, that's probably the worst move you can do to get your loved uh, by the city, especially after following Klopp. You're already in a hole trying to dig yourself out 
from Club Shadow. That would not be a great way to start. Uh, but yeah, I I honestly think, like I say, it would be the new manager's more like challenge to figure out how you get the best out of them and maybe still use Bradley as a right back or whatever you might do. But at the same time, I mean, obviously this gets exposed, and I know Brian is talking in the comments about Gravenberg. Obviously his play, not having Saboslai there or not having the right center midfielder help there as much is part of the problem. Will that, now that Endo is coming back, Bickler, will that kind of like solve itself, even though Saboslai, we don't know how long he's going to be out now. But, you know, now you have Endo, you have Mac, you have Curtis Jones, in that midfield, honestly, I would think now you're like probably Elliott's over uh, Gravenberg anyway. So that midfield, will it solve the problems and will keep Bradley on the bench for now? Unless we're starting the rotation once we get to midweek games and all that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Endo back certainly helps with midfield depth. But like, you know, until I see him actually start him in a lineup with McAllister and McAllister isn't in the six, I'll believe it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, I don't think any of us know for sure. Like if we'll ever see Endo crack a starting lineup with Mac in it. Right. Like I feel like McAllister is kind of pigeonholed still into the sixth spot regardless until there's a long-term solution. So I think it only solves part of the problem. Right. And then you got, you got Jones, Elliot, uh, Diago, um, you know, vying for three midfield positions with Gravenberch. So I, I think we're going to, we're going to see what happens here. Having the depth definitely helps, but I don't know that it solves a whole lot until I just still, I, I just feel like this is still a developing thing. And I think we got excited at the beginning of the season when we saw this nude field clicking. Right. And, and I think with good reason, uh, but I think, I still think this, I, I still think this is really a developing thing. I think there's so many Man, I think that this squad, we talked about how like all this thing, maybe it came together a year earlier than we thought it would. I think we're so used to getting three points and not realizing that the performances, I mean, we've had, especially in the last month, month and a half, we've had some really good performances, a string of them, right? But I think we're forgetting how choppy and how inconsistent this has been still. And I still feel like this is a squad still developing and still trying to figure out what it is from an identity standpoint, even, even though we've got a system, we've got a defined uh, way of playing. I still think a lot of these guys are still figuring each other out in some sort of core elementary way that it's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Brian says about like a different formation and stuff, and then that would be the challenges. And, you know, maybe that is what uh, will maybe push uh, Trent out of that, you know, it almost feels like he's in a funk. I don't know. Like you watch, it's not the same. It's not the same dude. He was never this poor defensively. I was the one here defending him, uh, you know, defensively, like one v one and stuff like that. It's like I was like, I just this sometimes like awareness. Now it's been. I feel like it's like a constant issue. And like Darren says, it almost felt like we never. We were getting those results, Bickler is saying, Gally, and we were like, Hey, we're getting these results. We didn't even click yet. Just imagine when we click. But now we come to a different issue. Like, Bradley, maybe it's a very small sample, right? I mean, it's only two, three games. We don't know if he would dip a young kid. You never know if he's going to keep up the performances. But you look at, um, like, a player like Gomez. We used some players while we were missing others, and they performed really well. Now you get some of these players back. And this is not FIFA. Just because he had a higher rating in that position, you can't just don't want to start him 
it almost like this death now puts Klopp in a difficult spot. A player like Robertson. I mean, like, what do you do with a guy like Gomez? What do you do with a kid like Bradley when they're performing at such a high level, but like they're renters and the landlord is back. So you're like, yeah, you're going to have to move, bro, because, you know, he lives here. Well, I mean, I think that's what we're going to see happen. I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't shocked to see Gomez start. And I'll be shocked against Burnley if Robertson's not starting at left back. I expect Burnley to be both Robertson and Trent at the back. Now, I also expect Gomez to probably start at center back for Kwanzaa. Yeah. He would for me, but I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp starts. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he starts Kwanzaa and has Gomez on the bench as cover for both the right and left back. I, it'll be interesting to see what he does with Bradley, to be honest, because I think the kid needs to play. He can train with the number ones all he wants, but on the weekends, I'd rather him playing with the under 18s or the under 23s and getting viable or under 21s and getting minutes and getting experience than sitting on the bench to get three minutes of substitution for Trent. If, if you're not planning to use them, if you already have that cover, and we've talked about how we're going to have trouble with the amount of healthy bodies and healthy scratches every week. You know, this week will be interesting without Kanate because of the red card suspension. So, you know, I think you have to play your starters. Klopp's going to play his starters. These guys won him a league, won him a Champions League, won him multiple trophies. He's got four months left. He's not going to do it with Trent sitting on the bench again for a kid wearing 84. But, you know, these are kids pushing for legitimate spots because they're earning minutes, not because they were like they won, as Kazi would say, you know, they won an award for, you know, sitting in a certain seat and getting a uniform today. They've earned the right to get these minutes on the pitch, and they've done a lot with the minutes they've been given. So, you know, if I'm kind of Bradley, I would probably show up for training next week thinking I got every reason to think I should be starting. I've played three times for the club and I was man of the match twice. I'd say that's pretty good numbers. Yeah, that's like a, he's a really tricky one just because it's a very small sample size. And I mean, like I say, I don't, unless you use Trent somewhere else, I don't think he, you're going to sit Trent over him. And Gomez gives you a good option to come in and fill in basically three different spots. Gomez is like a sub for three different locations if you want him to be. Um, do you does Klopp just tell Bradley, hey kid, you had your chance, you did awesome. Now go work on these uh, with the U23s or whatever, and then you know get ready because we might call you again and need you on the pitch. And obviously, once we get to the midweek games and stuff, he's gonna get his more chances, but. You're probably gonna have Gomez over Bradley on the bench, right, Beckler? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the fact that he needs games. I do think he's gonna stay with the squad, though. I don't expect him. I don't know. I just don't. I don't see him getting kicked down to the U23s and playing. Like, I don't know. If it were me, I'd play him. I mean, this is how Trent cracked into the lineup and became what Trent is. Like, the only difference is is that he had like Nate Klein in front of him and not a not somebody who had at one point been world class. Like, so, I mean, the difference is who's in front of them, but I think this is how young players get in. They get opportunities through injury. And I think you run them until the form dips. Like I would not be, I would not be pulling the plug on his form until he gave me a reason to Um, just because Trent's back. I mean, it's just me. It's probably not going to happen. I expect that he probably will fade in the periphery, but I think he'll still stay. I think they're going to prioritize his ability to continue to train with the first team. 
Like, uh, it, and maybe they push him down for some games. I don't know. But I, I would rather he's – I would love for him to be on the bench. I think there's games when you when you can bring him in and, and get him quality minutes and prem minutes, which I think prem minutes are, are very different than any other level that he's going to have minutes at. That's fair. I mean, I mean, these are obviously good problems to have, Galley, and I think this is the first time in some ways that we're going to get to see Klopp – manage manage the squad in terms of rotation especially you know starting later this month where we get the midweek games and stuff like that i mean let's face it in the past when we were making like you know predicting lineups we were just or argue arguing over like one or two positions at most whereas now obviously opens the door for a lot of like a lot of second guessing but you do have several options so you can maybe use a bradley midweek in that game to keep trent fresh or vice versa yeah, and I, I mean, I would love to see him get minutes, and I think he's proven he can get minutes. I'm not saying he's not going to train with the first team. I think he's going to train with the first team. I just think if you can't give him a jersey on Sunday because you literally don't have the numbers, and I don't think they're going to be sending three, four defenders onto the benches, and when you have a guy like Gomez backing up multiple positions, I just could see Klopp coming with a Tiago or, you know, I, I just don't see – Bradley getting the seventh, eighth sub position. So Gravenberch has to sit in the stands without a uniform on a match day. Just doesn't seem like Klopp's man management style. If he could have him practice all week long and then have him run out with the kids and play Saturday afternoon to get minutes in his legs, or just have him show up to the stadium, not dress, and then do his running after the match like guys have forever. But I'm with Paul. I think he trains with the first team. I mean, I don't think Klopp ever brings a guy into first team training and then really kicks him back to the youth ranks unless they're being punished, in my opinion, which is why, by all accounts, they've been saying the Neone kid has been training with the first team since like early, late, early December because Klopp's been enamored with him and he's been trying to get him like a debut in League Cup matches and different things, but he just hasn't been able to find, you know, minutes for him to get a chance. So I, I think these kids are training with the first team. I just don't know that he's going to get a lot of first team minutes the rest of the way, unfortunately. Yeah, you mentioned Thiago over there, lost in the the mess that was the Arsenal game and the performance. There is the fact that Thiago is back in action. Who who knew that? I mean, I'm assuming this is the role we're going to see him uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, coming in 25, 30 minutes and building some like you know game conditioning and getting used to the game speed. He almost tripped himself one time just walking uh he's he obviously he's going to be rusty it's been like what like a year or so right it's almost he's played feels like five years but it's been almost a year i think so uh i mean these are like i say these are good problems to have with tiago back in the equation so we'll talk about like going to the like looking ahead into the future towards the end is the ridiculous and over-the-top fan reaction that's you know, I try to stay away from it. You know, I do the therapy session in the post-match. I try to stay away from it. You see some posts. Obviously, American Scouts are, we have our own group in LFC America and stuff, uh, the, which I feel like at least is more sensible in most cases than you can go to the U.S. fan group and just, like, you know, uh, blow your blow your head off after, like, three posts. The overreaction you see is just being spoiled, Bickler, or people got just two T's with, Let's face it, nobody expected us to be in this situation back when the season started. We kind of felt like, you know, it's going to take time to get this midfield going and stuff like that. Or is it just general fan overreaction that's just nauseating? 
I mean, I think it's all just general fan stuff. Anytime you have a side that has any sustained period of success at any professional level across any duration of time, you're going to accumulate fans that are following because they want to be a part of the success. They want to follow a good team, right? So I think part of it is you got a lot of fans that don't have a long-term perspective on it. Um, I also think you just have a situation where fans have short memories, man. Fans don't remember that two and a half, three months ago, we were like, yeah, if we can just, you know, be in a good spot in top four and get through and see what we got in the midfield, we'll be all right. You know, people don't remember that. People remember, oh, we're top of the table and clear by almost two matches. You know, that's that. And then people fixate on that. Right. And so I, I just think it, it's a combination of just perspective and, 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 you know, just having short memories. We, we all do as fans, we, we forget like, the long game and we forget where we were a couple months ago when we look at these things yeah and i understand like i mean nobody's going to be happy that we lost and obviously it's going to be disappointing and you're not going to be happy i get that part but i mean it's not even only like the newer fans right like i can see maybe newer fans thinking this must be the norm right you have to win every game because this is how it rolls and it was never like this until maybe like five six seasons ago i mean we were talking on one of the pre-matches in a way, draw was pretty darn good. You know, you would take it and run with it. And those those were the days. Uh, but is it – I see a lot of – I'm like old-timers, I guess. But like, you know, like fans who have been following this team for like decades show overreaction. Is that because like some fans feel like time is running out, like Klopp is leaving? We got three months. We got to win a title before he goes because like we might never win again or something. You think Klopp leaving Galli – like increases that urgency no. in like an unnecessary way? You don't think so? I, I honestly don't. I honestly think that responses like this, this is what happens, man. Last year at this time, it got eerily quiet, right? Like we play poorly for like week after week and people didn't even have anything to say, nothing to bitch about. And then we start winning again and people just go like to the absolute opposite end of the earth. We were never going to lose another match. And now you don't play well for one afternoon and the sky is falling. I feel like this has been, I mean, this is part and parcel to all sporting. I, I genuinely believe this is all sports fan bases of every sport all across the world. But I think it's a little different when it becomes European football because of the culture that each club holds. And I think as a whole, we're winners, but we have a lot of fickle fans. And I think that like we tout ourselves as the greatest supporters and the most knowledgeable supporters. And I think we are really, really great and knowledgeable supporters. But I think any supporters group that calls themselves the, the greatest of anything, it's probably got like a little bit of douchiness in them, in them as well, because they believe that they're like, it's yeah. almost as if when we're good, we genuinely believe we like it's our right to be good. So when we play poorly, there has to be an excuse. There has to be someone to blame. It's the scheduling. It's the VAR. It's the officiating. Yeah. It's those pompous pricks celebrating like they won something. Maybe that just means you're a really good side. If a team is that fired up that they could actually beat you. Tottenham celebrated like they won a cup when they beat a nine-man team yes. that had a goal taken away. And I don't take anything from them because they hadn't beaten us in four years. 
they should feel pretty excited about it. So to me, I think we just get caught up in it sometimes. And I think social media makes it so much more ugly and vile and, and gross because it's in your face immediately after it happens, personally. And I don't know. I get the same thing, you know, like, obviously, I'll follow Fenerbahce back home in Turkey, and I get, like, the same concept there where, you know, team can be doing great, and they're, like, top of the league, but anything negative gets, like, overblown. But partially, and I don't know if, like, what do you think, Bickler? I feel like a part of it is ownership when the the fans are already not really liking the ownership because you get that same thing like i say back in the like Fenerbahce too like there are some guys who just don't like the president and but when things are well they gotta be go along for the ride right the train is going so you're on it it's going but the moment something does not go well then your built-up frustration that you have to be on the train that you don't like anyway, but you got to be on there because we're going the right way. Now it gets like overblown. You think that's part of the reason? The fact that FSG obviously is a lot more polarizing in fans. Do you think that causes some of the overreaction? Because they're like, see, I told you guys, kind of a reaction. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, I think anybody who latches on to a narrative that they want to follow is going to look for reasons to continue to write it though. So, so like, you know, when something like an unexpected announcement happens where a legendary manager is going to step out of the position, of course, the story becomes that's its ownership. Right. Um, and then conveniently ignores that said manager who stayed a certain amount of time at every stop in his juncture is left when he said he was going to want it's set for Liverpool where he signed three separate extensions. Like that part gets left off. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, we write our own stories with the facts that we want to wrap ourselves around. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think in the, in the whole of things, we look at this team and we look at where we're at on the table. And I think sometimes we just, I think sometimes we lose perspective and sometimes we believe in a narrative that we want to be true. And like, I'll tell you straight up, I don't ever believe that this side is probably the most complete or best side in this league right now. I think we have overshot our means in terms of points. Yeah. Uh, it, it gotten very, I think we've got very fortunate throughout, but I also think that this team has shown a, a huge resiliency and a huge maturity. So there is a big amount of credit to them. I just think that, you know, I don't think we were ever the team that was going to run away with this thing. Right. And I think, you know, we got, we're in a situation where we have city down a little bit. They're figuring some things out. They're thinner than they've been in the past. They had key injuries. We have an arsenal side that lost some footing, trying to put some new people in like, and I think we, we kind of, we jumped the curb a little bit and everybody ran with it, you know? And I think we just need to look at this, pump the brakes a little bit, enjoy where we're at. Look at this thing realistically Understand that this is a squad that has a ton of question marks that the manager is still trying to fit in and figure out. And just, I think it's real hard to be patient with the side that you love. And I think it's even harder to be patient with the side you love when they're at the top of the table. Yeah. I mean, that's as, uh, as a team we're ahead of schedule. And I think not only that, not only like the newer pieces have clicked in well, it's just that, I mean, who knew, you know, if I told you, hey, we're going to lose both left backs, you'd be like, oh, we're screwed. Like, who would tell, 
like right. we've plugged in some people into certain positions. I mean, if I told you like months ago that, hey, Bradley is going to be the right back. Gomez is going to be the left back. I don't and, think you're and, like taking that. You're guessing a win for that game. And, and Curtis Jones is going to be your player of the year on February 5th. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think people we plugged into certain situations have done really well, despite all the pieces that are missing. And that kind of like sets up a higher expectation. Matush says huge success over the last five years has brought in new fans where their normal norm, their norm is a 99 point season. FIFA career more doesn't apply to the real world. Speaking of, we talked about it this morning. I did start the FIFA career mode as a player. Uh, all I can say to the coaches, I need a run of games because this 25 minutes coming in in the preseason thing is not cutting the mustard. But uh, more on that coming up. I'm, I, I'm, I might get hooked on this thing. I'm I don't, I don't know how anybody does FIFA career mode as a player, dude. I don't get I, that. I man. started because I know we talked about it this morning in the morning show. The manager side, the player side. I was like, you know what? Let me do the player side. And yeah, it's very frustrating. You know, it's not my fault the guy can't finish. I'm getting all kinds of through balls, but I need the runoff games. Now I know what you I guys mean. Maybe that's the about. difference when you own your own business. You don't feel like you have to call the shots. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like when I log in, I don't want to hear any shit from anybody. I'm going to make the decision on who's going to play. Like, like I want to walk away from the day feeling like, you know, I had this one thing go right for me. I don't want to be like subbed in for 25 minutes and feel bad about my day. <laughs> Yeah, but it's been, I don't know, like I was kind of sick of the current mode, so this will uh, open up a whole new avenue for me. Uh, anything else before we move on to the next game? Did you guys have anything from the Arsenal game before we wrap that up and hopefully put it behind us? No, I just I just think that what we saw in that match is is that we are, as as deep as we are in midfield, we are still very, very frail, frail when it comes to, we just really have like, two to three really solid starters and then we have the rotation between endo and mac and i'm with paul i i'll be really interested like if silva's like if Silva can't go against burnley in my opinion the gravenberg experiment should end and we need to we need to see endo at the six with McAllister on the right and jones on the left yeah. i mean i've wanted to see jones and McAllister further forward together to see how they would interact either way um, but I, I, and if, if Silva slides back, great. And maybe you play McAllister or play Endo and rotate, give Jones yeah. a breather. I'm good with whatever the, the manager wants to do. I just really think he's going to have to get back to playing Endo. You know, it was really good there in December before Endo had to go back to the, go off to the Asian Cup of Nations. And I hope we get back to that. I don't think we need him as much against Burnley. So I could see McAllister there. Um, but I just really think Gravenberg just needs, you know, I don't want to kick a dead horse, but I really think he like, he needs some time. He needs some time sitting at the end of the bench. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, really yeah. he needs to re and you know, you've talked about it, you know, give him a full summer with, you know, new tactics, new formations, understand his role, a full preseason with his teammates, but let's be real here. We are going on six months worth of training sessions and he's, he still looks absolutely lost on almost every impact of the game. And I feel like he's regressing with every performance he puts in that is poor. And he does look like a guy who gets lost in his own head, which was the knock at him at Bayern, which is why Tuchel always said, if I, he can't convince himself he's good enough to start, how is he going to convince me and my coaching staff he should be starting? So I, I really think 
you know, it's it's important that we kind of start to figure him out. But to Paul's point, like we have a lot to play for over the rest of the season, and it can't be to help guys figure things out. That's I hate to say it in some ways, it's gonna be the new manager's problem at this point. Yeah, Brian says, I really don't know what to do with Gravenberg. That makes a million of us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing. To be fair to him, and yes, he has had a lot of time, but he, he does look very confused. And I think he's never in – in the old days, like maybe two, three seasons ago, where we were trotting out the same 11 all the time, you plug him in like Wijnaldum was out, and you plug in Gravenberg there, I think you might be able to get away with it a little bit better. Whereas now it's it feels like it's a constantly changing 11, right? I don't know how many times we put out the same 11. So when you put a guy who's not already very clear on what he should be doing, where he should go and what he should, you know, who, where he should press, where he shouldn't and stuff like that, I think is he's only getting more and more confused. And like that says he is only, I don't agree with the Pogba 2.0 thing because I don't see that attitude. Uh, but then again, it goes back to him being 21. Uh, so, and you know, I think he has maybe we feel like, oh, he has like the physical capabilities and stuff like that, reminds us of that. I just don't think he has that bad of an attitude. I think it's just kind of like what Galley is saying it's just more confusion, uh, not necessarily laziness or not knowing what you have to do. And it's not a huge knock about the 21 thing. But there are 21-year-olds all across Europe playing at big clubs. And this is a guy who forced a move to two monster clubs. And he's only 21. So when you put yourself in the shop window and you allow your agents to shop you from Ajax to Bayern Munich at 19, and then you go to Liverpool within two years at 21, it's okay for people to ask questions. You put yourself in the shop window when you put yourself at those big clubs and those big, you know, I... I feel for the kid, and I think he's going to be a great, great player. But I, I do, like, you go to the big clubs, you get the scrutiny that comes with it. I think he's going to be a really, really talented player. I think it's going to take the new manager figuring out how to utilize him because I think we all question where he fit in a 4-3-3, and I think what we're learning is he doesn't fit. But it's only 21 to be fair, but I guess he's perfect in career mode. So I'm going to have to test it out uh, and I can tell you, I can report back next week uh, and see if I confirm that. But I think, you know, that says like, I think we're used to seeing players come in and hit the ground running, partially maybe because we never did so many changes at once. Uh, that's why we were shocked that this midfield where we changed so many pieces at once, clicking this early was kind of shocking. But normally we bring one dude and he kind of fits the mold. It's more like a plug and play. Uh, whereas he has not really had that luxury. So I still think it's way too early to write him off or anything like that. And I feel like he gets over the top criticism too, because he is the new guy. And, you know, there were no, there weren't a lot of performances this weekend that made you say that was pretty good. Name, name a single player that we signed into our midfield in the entire midfield rebuild where we haven't talked about being just absolutely God awful for a number of weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they all have. yeah, because yeah, I mean, started you... really hot, that went down, right? But I still go back, by the way. Listen, Mac number six. I think McAllister's been the most consistent of all of them, and he's been asked to play out of position the whole time. And, and, I, he, I honestly, and he's arguably gotten the most shit out of all of them. He did right. initially because I think he was getting caught on the ball a lot more, and you know, 
hate to toot my horn again and emphasize this point, but when we have outlets, when we had Bradley, when we had a right back, watch this game, go back and see. There's so many moments where he does not have more than one outlet, and Arsenal knows that, closes that one. When Trent is in your pocket in midfield, I think, you know, there is no whiff. It's harder for that guy to get in the middle and, you know, he got caught on the ball a lot this game. Whereas we saw him the last two, three weeks, hmm, when he was playing with Bradley a right back, he had a lot more options and was able to, I mean, his passing and stuff, I mean, he's a gem for, like, I think we got him at a really, really good bargain, which is my question kind of moving forward. Without knowing what Sobosta is going to be and stuff like that, obviously it's harder to predict this Burnley lineup. But if I asked you, Bickler, with now Thiago back in the equation, Ando, Mac, Jones, all these guys, and the back line as well. Two months from now, it's a crucial game. We're going out there. Who do you see in your crystal ball over there as the starting 11? God, I hate this. I know. That's why I sent it your way. Oh, it'll probably be Robertson, Verge, uh, Kanate. Trent, uh, man, I want it to be Endo so bad. I just can't see it, man. I, I, if it were me, I'd put Endo in. I think it'll still be McAllister at the six. Um, I think Klopp is too in love with other players. Um, so I'll go Mac at the six, Jones on the left, and I think Sobo Sly on the right uh, of that midfield is what it will be during crunch time with everybody fit. I think the left is – I got to go Diaz, middle, Darwin, right, Mo when he's back and healthy. Galley. Same, same I'm 11. Agreements, but. I'm, I'm in full agreement there. I, I think the only one you can maybe argue is, is Diaz and Jota. I'll argue that Jota offers more from the bench from a match-winning standpoint. And I do think we're starting to see a little bit of Diaz's form come back and his like elusive capability of taking on a defender. And I just genuinely think that Gakpo is so off the boil at this point that he is firmly the fifth choice offensive player. Yeah, once Mo gets back, I guess, yeah. Because right now, at least, he's the first option off the bench if he doesn't start kind of an ordeal. But right. that's definitely going to change. So, Thiago, I guess, would be the oddball one, right? I mean, obviously, it's too early for him. But at one point, like, how many weeks do you think, if he stays healthy, do you ever not – so you guys do not see a role for him as a starting 11 player? He doesn't think- start over Curtis Jones for me. In any match, because I think Jones does what you ask him to do on that left-hand side. So for me personally, I think he gives you the ability to change matches and unlock matches and gives you 20, 30 minutes. And at this point in his career, that should be the most he expects of himself and his body, in my mind. I know he wants more, but I wouldn't. Willing to rely on. Uh, we haven't seen Tiago in so long. My suspicion is that his game is nowhere near what he was even two years ago. Right. Right. So let's just say theoretically, I thought his game was where it was two years ago. I don't think he's a player that you can depend on for longer than 60 minutes, which means you have to have a planned substitution if you're starting him anyway. So that's between those two things, I just don't see it. I agree. I mean, that's the same thing. I feel like he's an ideal person to come in 
regardless of the game. I think, you know, if we're ahead, he's a good guy to bring in, control the pace of the game, control, like, keep possession. It's like the Milner. In that way. Yes, exactly. But if we're, I think the difference to Milner would be Thiago is a guy you can also bring into midfield. Like, if you started Ando, maybe you do bring Thiago in if we're trying to, if we're chasing a game. At home, well, against like Luton or something like that. A little more, a little more flair on the yellow cards too than Miller. Yes. Well, I mean, just some crazy Miller's eyes. Were, Miller's were a little more blue collar yellows. So. Yeah. Don't don't forget them crazy eyes too. Them crazy eyes will be back before you know it. He'll be staring down, you know, eye banging people all across the pitch, just fucking. <laughs> Um, oh, I haven't heard you know that what? phrase in a while. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll actually, you know, Brian or I think Alan mentioned how you know the Carabao Cup final now with the Luton game being rescheduled four days prior. Maybe that's a spot where Tiago actually gets himself a start. They know they're not going to start him in a League Cup final. Hell, last three times he warmed up in finals, he got himself hurt to the point he couldn't play. So. Uh, if I were him, I wouldn't even show up at Wembley out of fear, out of fear of injury and his career ending. Um, but I, I, I could see him maybe starting like one of these matches here or there. I think he'll get a few runouts, maybe even a Europa League match here or there. Um, I just, if we are going down the stretch of this season with critical, crucial games and we're relying on Thiago starting and making huge impacts, then a whole hell of a lot has gone off the boil with this squad because that was the whole purpose of this rebuild was, in my opinion, to not have to rely on 35, 33-year-old guys with legs that break down, you know, randomly. That was the whole purpose of moving on to the young kids we did. Yeah, I think he fits that closer role perfectly. Like I say, regardless of the scoreline, even if we have, like, the lead, we're just trying to finish it off or if we're chasing a goal and stuff like that, still a good guy to bring off the bench somebody that you can bring on if you're chasing a game and say hey maybe he'll find that avenue he'll find the pass and stuff like that so i mean definitely a I mean, great thing to be able to say you're bringing thiago off the bench and i would think i mean i know these guys have huge egos and stuff but i doubt thiago says i should be starting in this team uh just like looking around in the on like the practice <laughs> and be like oh i'm better than all these guys i can run more of these guys you I mean, would think but then again, Milner thought he should be starting too, so maybe not. He's not giving back the paycheck that says he's the second highest paid person in the room. Yeah, exactly. So they, and that's another thing. He's like, my paycheck demands. Like I, said, I think he will be. It'll be a good addition. I, I know for a fact, Anand is very happy on Friday mornings. Okay, so before we head out, like I say, I know Thank it's goodness. hard to predict the lineup, not knowing full details yet. But Bickler. This Burnley game, in some ways, is a good fixture. And I think, like Darren was mentioning earlier, the fixture for both us and City, on paper, like no game is guaranteed in the Premier League, but easy year, let's say. Um, do you see that as a huge comeback? Or is this still kind of like a struggle against the Burnley team to find openings? Or do you think this team responds, uses the Burnley game for a response? Well, it's a nice soft landing spot, so I'd hope for a response. I think... This kind of Burnley side doesn't scare me as much as like the old Sean Dyche teams, right? Because, you know, you can play football with them and they have a real lack of like, uh, they're just a younger squad. They don't have a lot of firepower. So, uh, I mean, that's like kind of as, as cush as you can ask for coming back. So, yeah, I, I would I would expect a response here. And you know what? Like if we win, if we won 2-0, I mean – that's all I could ask for as long as the effort's there. That's all I want to see. 
I want to see a team out there that that like looks like they want to be there and that they want to win and not only just win, but they want to do it convincingly. So um, I, I think that's really the thing I'm going to be looking at is like, what do the, what does the body language look like with this team going out? Yeah. And I feel like if you see that team though, the score will definitely be more of a, more than the two zero, right? If the, especially against a team like Burley, but I know what you mean. How about you, Gally? So was that, yeah, your I think, by the way, the two zero that you squeezed in there, Beckler? Uh, no, I'm not that smart. I'll go fly. <laughs> I got, I'll jump on. I'll jump on. I would say, I, I think it's going to be pretty convincing. I'll go four. No. Yali. That's a good one. Um, I was going to go two nil cause I don't know that I'm that convinced that they'll do a lot more than try to play really organized. And I think once they get a lead, they may try to like show a little bit of balance and wherewithal and you know no Kanate makes me a little nervous because they haven't had that in a while so it'll be interesting this Burnley side is really really poor and it's not even just the fact that to Paul's point they don't have firepower up front this isn't like a Premier League side missing a striker this is a Premier League side missing a striker missing a creative midfielder missing a center back who you know how to pronounce their last name a keeper who like this team is actually the keeper is probably the only thing in the entire buildup inside that belongs in the Premier League. Um, Cause he'll come right back into the Premier League when they go down. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think that like the fact Vincent company is still in a job shows that they do believe in the level of football and the type of manager he is because they know they offered him nothing for resources to stay up. And in some ways, I wonder if they're just planning to take him back down because they think he's their best avenue back into the Premier League, and maybe they'll have another go of it. But just really, really poor by Burnley. Um, and I think I think we have to win this game convincingly. We don't have to win by a lopsided scoreline, but we have to put in a result. This one can't be a squeak-out victory because, to, to Paul's point, this is like a get-right game. When you get a get-right game on the schedule, you got to get right. Because when you don't, it all starts to like kind of linger to itself. And, you know, I think Daz said, let's go on another long unbeaten run. We really need nine points out of the next three fixtures before the League Cup final. Because I think that we have to make sure that we keep City within touching distance before they get the game up from us when we're off that weekend. So, it, you know, it's going to be really, really packed schedule and pressure filled period. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens, but stop, it gets a lot better this weekend. Stop avoiding the spitting out the prediction part. What was your prediction within all that? Did I, miss I said 2-0. Oh, you go with the 2-0. I went with the 2-0. Oh, yeah. I thought you that said, I, would I was going to say 2-0, but so I thought you Oh, no, sorry. I was going to say 2-0, and then Paul jumped. I was like, are you really stealing my 2-0? Because I don't know that it's going off, off the rails. I just think that it has to be like an organized – I think Klopp needs to get it all right here. Because it got it basically all wrong against Arsenal. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I'm going with, I'll meet you guys in the middle. Uh, your guys over, B Bickler's overconfidence now scared me off. I would have probably gone with the 4 0 2, but I'll go with the 3 0. I think this is a good reaction game and it's a good reaction uh, fixture, like, you know, we've been saying. It's a team that no game is easy, but the fact that we're home, it's, you know, coming off of a loss and stuff like that, having a whole full week off to get ready for it and stuff, there will be absolutely no excuses not to go out there and kind of like show which team is clearly a lot better and has more quality. But uh, we will see then. We need to score in the first 20 to 25. And then, so yeah, honestly, an early goal, then I can see like a lopsided score and stuff like that. But 
yeah, I do ultimately want a team that goes out there like presses like crazy and stuff like that. Kind of, you know, shows them the actual real Liverpool that we saw, similar to what we saw in the Chelsea game. And Burnley's not, a, you know, Chelsea's not a whole lot better than Burnley, so we should be able to ideally see the same thing against Burnley. But uh, on that note, we'll end up this week. Uh, thanks as always for those comments and liking. Uh, there should be a bunch of buttons down there, usually in like hits or as Bickler would say. Like and subscribe, smash that like button. Yes, you can smash that like button as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, on YouTube. And uh, we got a lot more coming out this week. Uh, obviously, our new like swag stuff came out. So if you want to rock some American Scouts or apparel, uh, you're more than welcome to do so and support the site that way. And we do have some like new content coming out with our Patreon, uh, which we'll be starting later this week as well. So a lot happening. Uh, thanks for always for your guys' support. And have an awesome, awesome week. We will see you guys next Monday. Take care.